You're listening to Social Media Unlocked, episode number one. I was training my audience and bringing my audience on board as more of enjoy our story, come along and be a part of this and love me, Zeus, and Sedona. It's time we had an honest conversation about social media. This is Heather Pink, your host of Social Media Unlocked. After spending years producing TV and running social media for the NFL, I started my own social media consulting agency. And well, I want to talk and teach more about social media. Through each podcast, I hope to bring you a new perspective on social media through influencers, brands, content creators, and more. So that way it can help you with your personal brand, your brand's content, collaborations, and well, just being more knowledgeable about social media. One of the words I hear the most when working in social media right now is influencer. I'm sure if you work for a brand, you understand influencer marketing is really, really important. But well, these days, there's actually a lot of layers when it comes to different kinds of social media influencers. Just because you have a large following doesn't mean you're actually an influencer. Take it from my first guest on the Social Media Unlocked podcast, Jordan Kahana. Jordan quit his job in corporate America to pursue his content creator lifestyle with two adorable puppies. And yes, he will argue that he is not an influencer, even though his Instagram account is over 185,000 and counting. Rather, a content creator. Today, we discuss what is the difference between an influencer and a content creator, along with some of his successes, some of his failures, and also some of his collaborations with brands. I am so stoked to have with me Jordan Kahana, content creator on Instagram. He's known as The Adventure Squad, and also now he's co-founder of Stayamo. I also, for people that aren't watching us, I have two dogs surrounding me because that's Uh what The Adventure Squad is. Jordan, welcome on. Thank you. So excited to be here. For those of people that don't know what The Adventure Squad is, Mm -hmm. um, it's primarily kind of what you're known for. Um, A little bit on Instagram, tell everyone what The Adventure Squad is. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's mainly in 100% where my following comes from uh back in 2016 i was on a road trip and documenting the whole experience and i was driving up to the grand canyon and i came across two abandoned puppies in the road and um, because i was documenting the whole trip i had my camera in my front seat and like instinctually just scooped up my camera and ran after these dogs hit record and um put together a little video about it and that went kind of crazily viral and uh here we are today continuing to tell that story and um yeah it's a good time i mean i remember so jordan and i know each other because jordan used to work at the nfl it's true many many <laughs> moons ago uh-huh. um what has it now been has it been uh, six years yeah it was 2013 season wow. You've been in social for how many years? Like 10 years. Like 10 years? Yeah, so I was doing it two years before I got to the NFL. I was at ESPN in Connecticut and then got picked up to run social for the NFL um, for that 2013 season. And yeah, I've been bouncing around doing other social um, from there. Uh, I was working with uh, Insomniac, which is a uh, music company. They throw uh, music festivals like EDC that just Mm -hmm. happened in Las Vegas this past weekend. Um, So I was running social for them and then got picked up to run Pepsi's uh, social for the World Cup. Uh, and yeah, um, just kind of been bouncing around. Doing I'm learning social. new things about you, even though I've known oh, you, you for didn't, so yeah. long. I did and, not know that. And then after I was doing some freelance stuff and then got picked up by Fox Sports to run their NFL and social, um, the, the TV integration there. And um, did that for two years and then uh, worked at a production company that was based in Koreatown. They were working with TV studios like Discovery Channel, ID Network, um, 
Nat Geo Wild. We also worked with a sports clothing company um, and was running digital for them. Wow. And then that's the a long happened. list. And, the, and now the pups happen. Yeah. I mean, and the pups, they've changed your life. Right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Both like digitally and like personally. Yeah. Well, I was going to introduce you as we were talking yeah. about it um, offline as an influencer. And uh-huh. you stopped me very quickly yeah. because you said I'm not an influencer, even though you have, you know, to some of the people on the outside, they would uh-huh. look like this guy. He is an influencer because uh-huh. he does influence. I mean, so what is your thought? No, that? so th- so that's a difference. So through my audience or how my story came about is that when my story went viral, it's a very genuine story of me finding the pups and it's very unique in that I kept them and that I was on a road trip and I was planning on quitting my job to go travel more and changed that up. I was going to go travel internationally, but then decided once I found the dogs, I was like, I've always wanted to have dogs. So let them be a part of this experience and let's go on road trips as opposed to me traveling internationally. And it felt very inauthentic as like an influencer would to be like, hey, buy my merch and buy this or do that when that's not who I am or who I was. And it felt very inauthentic to my story. So I was bringing I was training my audience and bringing my audience on board as more of enjoy our story. Come along and be a part of this and love me, Zeus and Sedona. As as the audience grew, it, it finally became a time of like, okay, I need to monetize off of this. And in the world that we live today, I'm very grateful that having a large social media audience allows you to monetize from that. And so there is a big difference of being able to say, hey, go purchase this item and being able to have your audience go to that website Mm -hmm. and purchase that item. And that's not something that my audience does or what I'm I trained my audience for a lack of a better word. Like every every brand has trained their audience one way and another, whether it is mm-hmm. to watch their videos, purchase items, do whatever it is, go support these causes, what whatever it might be. And so my audience is here to see the story of me and the pups and our adventures. And I think that's something as we're starting to understand more as a society and as we consume social media and and content is really differentiating between influencers and content creators or people that just or even like models on social media are like they yeah on paper what to use the difference between an influencer and a content creator i mean because here's the thing is sometimes those lines are really really blurred like obviously you just mentioned that you know some influencers they want you to come to their website and they uh-huh. want you to buy their stuff right but from like a like a macro level uh-huh in your mind what's the difference um by the way i have I, one of your dogs eating a bone on my yeah, knee right he's, now he's this very is fantastic connected to you Sorry. he like will not leave your side this whole time <laughs> i think it's very clear you you can really tell as we were doing a lot more work with Stamo, and we can talk about that later on too of just kind of understanding who can really impact what you're trying to sell. So as a brand, if you're trying to create more awareness, I think going to a content creator or storyteller provides that because they have a large audience and can reach that. So because I have a large audience, I can drive eyeballs to certain things or bring attention to certain things, but to have them convert is is very unique and very different as an influencer and those people are 
few and far between and really high end mm-hmm. one percenters. And I was listening to a podcast even yesterday talking about um, who who people say quote unquote are influencers and who are actually influential people. And you know, I, I think I don't want to talk like because he talked about like The Rock and Oprah and Michael Jordan and those people. Well, those are, are those are the point five percenters in my opinion of like yeah you're right they have so many followings but there's not that many of them exactly like the, it's it's the inverse right they have huge followings the rock every time you see a post he's gonna get four million right likes. And, and he's built that following and he's built that but the unique thing about it that they spoke about and this is something that keeps playing over and over in my head is that they have all had a humbling moment that allows you to connect to them so much so the rock talks about having seven bucks left in his bank account or michael jordan getting kicked off of his high school basketball yeah, yeah. and like oprah openly talking about her weight issues and the people on the internet these influencers are saying and even i struggle with this too in the sense of like every post that i have to put up needs to be quote unquote perfect yeah and needs to do that and even like i photoshop things out or clean things up or like mess things around of being like i took this one photo and i love this background and we were there but i didn't get the shot that i was looking for but because i was there like I want this to look perfect. Yeah. And and so I do that. And even for me, it's like, feels inauthentic, but it, I'm trying to tell this story. And I think that's like a big shift that we were talking beforehand that we can talk about now in terms of like, there's a shift that is going to happen and happening. And I'm sensing that in terms of how we consume as everyone's trying to be an influencer. For me, I think social is a huge part of storytelling, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people, they might have a story, but they don't know how to, to tell it. And also, too, um, like Instagram knows. Like, they know that influencers have been getting big. They've been making money. Instagram hasn't gotten a penny mm-hmm. for a lot of it. There we go. Yeah. That was the first pop appearance. Yeah, good I know. Hell. Are you nervous for some of these Instagram changes to happen? No. Uh, because I have a skill set, I'm I'm working on projects or freelance things that, through my skill set and what I'm capable of doing, is like, yes, this Instagram ride is awesome, and I'm riding this wave as much as I possibly can. Uh, but I shouldn't be nervous. I should be trying to be ahead of the curve as much as I possibly can. And I think everyone should be and looking ahead at what that possibly is. And and what do you think that is? So if you were to say somebody and like how can I get ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. how is it I think it's I mean creating your own path is really important is seeing what everyone is doing is and finding that zag element to it a little bit or finding what's true to you and storytelling is ultimately what separates Mm -hmm. the people it should be less about the platform and complaining about algorithms or you know it's just kind of accepting that faith because literally it is a flip of the switch if they want to flip it up and be like you're gonna get 25 percent of your audience viewership like they could do that i know the potential client was like you know what i just want to know what sort of algorithm tricks you have i'm like it's good content like I, and sometimes people are like, okay, yeah, sure. And of course that is also a loaded uh-huh. statement. Good content takes time. It's knowing the brand yeah. and being able to capitalize it and doing it in a creative way. Uh-huh. But some people think that it's just like, you know, I'm pulling a rabbit out of a hat. 
It should, yeah. You know? And, and and it's interesting, too, because they, they do a bit of a bait-and-switch thing. Facebook does and Instagram does. Obviously, they're the same company, but in the sense of pay to hit more reach, and then the second you pay for that reach... Any post that isn't paid for then gets pushed down even less because they know this person's willing to get paid. And as we were talking before is that I did a partnership with this company that said that they were going to boost a post through my page. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm down to get a bit more exposure, assuming it'd be a couple days of flight of doing that. They ended up boosting that two posts on my page that I did with them for five weeks. And I have not been able to get off of this. Like I've fluctuated so much, lost about 4,000 followers, have gained about 1,500 back, but I am stuck in this place because the boosted posts all ran through my page, not through the company's page. So they were just putting money in and getting more awareness for their brand while hurting my page and analytics along the way. I was not happy about that. How do you, so how do you overcome something like that? Is it just shake it off and continue to create content? Like how do you overcome things like that? I've limited the amount of times looking at my analytics, just kind of knowing like, man, this is a bummer. Um, thinking more about my content to make it be like, okay, as long as the content's really good, I'm at a place in the amount of followers that I have that a difference of 4,000 followers, thankfully isn't that grand of a scale. This happened in February and we're now in mid-May. I feel like I should have grown at least in how everything's been going, at least like 10, maybe 15,000 followers, which is then a bigger jump, which then puts me at the 200,000 followers on Instagram, mm-hmm. which is a bit more of a benchmark of a thing to, to say. Yeah. When you talk to brands, uh-huh. how big of a conversation is that? Or is my, it my follower count? Yeah. Well, it's less about my follower count and more about the engagement that happens. Good. And because the okay. engagement is down, I have to bite my tongue a little bit in terms of... So I lost a leg in the race in terms of being able to negotiate because my engagement was so high because I was just focused on storytelling and creating really good content that my engagement was really high and that thankfully also the animal community is very supportive and positive and that's a lot about what's around my page. So I lost a leverage opportunity of being like, well, yeah, I'm here, but I can charge this much because... I get this many eyeballs on it and you're going to get a 10 to 15% engagement rate on it. And I lost that. Yeah. Now, when you negotiate with a brand, do you negotiate per post? Do you say, this is how much I want per post? Do you Mm -hmm. say, all right, I'll do like a long-term one, right? Mm -hmm. I'll do a couple posts a month. Mm -hmm. Like what is, what is something that you've done? Mm-hmm. And maybe something that you would like to do in the future. Each opportunity differs and it always depends. And having worked in marketing and social before, I feel I have the upper hand in comparison to a lot of these kids that are creating a large social following where I can speak the language and I have this press kit and I have um, all, all these things that I can talk to about them. And my big thing is, once again, going back to the storytelling and talking to them 
about wanting to work on something larger than just a one-off post and being able to create a relationship with them if possible. But at the same time, it, it kind of depends because sometimes they are just like, I'm doing a partnership with Toyota this weekend for, and it's based around the Hermosa uh, Festival, Fiesta Hermosa that happens every year for Memorial Day and Labor Day. And so it's kind of when like... I used to live down here, parking was a mess. It's one of those things where it is like a timely one-off post. And so it's like, okay, great. And I, it's interesting. So I can, I can explain this in the sense that it's like, okay, this is Toyota. They have a lot of money. And so I asked them I was like hey is this is this budget flexible you know let me see and see if I can ask for more money yeah they weren't asking for a ton of stuff but it's like it's Toyota they have the budget me asking for another grand or 1500 like technically being greedy and I paused and looked at the agency that was reaching out to me and realizing the clients that they had and realizing that the budget that they were offering me was a good budget like you know I shouldn't try to like see how much especially in the situation that I am where hey they're offering me my normal rate or maybe even a little bit more for a situation where I know that my analytics aren't hitting what they should be as I'm trying to be patient with my social media so she said yes that their their budget was flexible and once we agreed on terms I was like hey you know what I'm happy with what this is. I want to deliver well for you guys and build off of this relationship. Mm -hmm. I want you guys to be happy with the budget, knowing that I can come in and deliver for you guys and crush it and hope that down the road, they enjoy working with me, that as another opportunity comes up, they're going to reach out to me again, or I have this connection now where I can pitch them opportunities, and they enjoy that. And I think creating a longevity and a relationship with companies is ultimately the most important thing. As you're starting your own business, as you're learning through this, is that referrals and like repeat business is where you crush. Absolutely. I mean, that's how we've been lucky enough to have all of our clientele as referrals. Obviously, we hope that to change, you know, in the future as we continue to grow as you were growing because I remember talking to you, what was it, maybe a year or two ago? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you were sort of in this place. You were making a lot of money off of this. How much partnerships were you taking or doing for free? Like no monetary... Mm like involvement it was like hey I know this company or I know this brand has a big following I'm uh-huh. trying to get my following up a little bit more yeah how many of those did you do um, or was that sort of like ah oh, maybe I'll do one because I really like this company and I want to mm-hmm. build that relationship so I found the dogs in December of 2016 it went I quit my job mid-April and took off for our first big trip May 1st of 2017 Mid May of 2007, so I had I had savings set aside, knowing that I wanted to quit my job and travel. So I was prepared for this a bit and set aside about four to six months worth of money that I would live very bare minimum, but be able to live and get by. And so um, mid May, it went super viral with the dodo posting it, and then a bunch of other blogs picking it up. And um, so there was. There was this interest in this growth, and I was still micro-influencing, and and I hate, I don't even know why I said that, probably, um, but I was, I was, was, sorry, I was storytelling and, and understanding the process of 
navigating monetizing my social media is what I should say more so than than what I did in terms of micro influencing. Um, sorry, I'm sidetracking because I'm so like hyped up. I'm I'm so like worked up that I use that word in referencing of myself. So I would say the first all of 2017 was taking on almost unpaid partnerships and just trying to for a year. For, yeah, for at least six months was just doing that and and building and and also not wanting to take on partnerships because my story was so unique and genuine and that I knew that the larger following that I have, the more that I'd be able to charge down the road. And so not trying to get super greedy on the front end of being able to be like, hey, like I have all these followings like this and that. I, I did a partnership pretty early on of finding the dogs with a dog food company. They reached out to me, so I was really grateful for that to say yes. And really what it is is just the amount of times that I heard no on the front end to get that first yes and to build off of that and understand like, okay, this is what I did to get that yes. What worked there? Okay, let you know. Mm -hmm. It's building that. And it was hearing a lot of no's on the front end. So in that process, were you also reaching out to brands or was it? 100%. I would say the first year and a half was 80 20 me reaching out to brands and then brands reaching out to me like uh, yeah I, I mean the majority was me reaching out to brands and just cold emailing and and dming and and just trying to like see what i could put together and what made sense for me and yeah and just hoping that that something would come together i gotta ask because these dogs obviously will not leave me alone uh-huh. how is it that you actually create content with these guys <laughs> like I, honestly I watched I mean, obviously I followed you for years uh, but also I've met these dogs before and they're little crazy kooks they're so adorable but and I've also produced shoots uh-huh. I've directed shoots with Cubans yeah. that speak English uh-huh. and I still can't get things accomplished sometimes or I'm like ha but you have to you, you have to create content with two dogs it's it's really challenging because they they're well behaved and they're really calm but they're not super trained in the sense that it's not like Jordan. sit and stick what well, they're not they're not <laughs> did you see them they were running out like the, they stay contained and they're well behaved but they're not like for me to be like sit and stay and stay and do that like, that's not what happens and like me taking a photo with the dogs is I set my camera up because early on too it was just me doing this and I would use the remote on my phone to take the photos is I learned that the more photos I take the better and just set my camera up and hit it and allow it to shoot like 20 per time and take and do that take about four five six times until I feel like it's it's good or mm-hmm. I have something once again I could piece it together where Sedona's head I could photo you know like whatever it is oh, to wiggle, just wiggle, make wiggle. it like look right at the camera both if I wanted that look or if it you know and they they know really well too so they know now they know like the whole yeah so it's really awesome in the sense that so my canon which is my my day-to-day shooter that I do with like the vlogging and all that is that it clicks on and so they when they hear the camera click on they're like oh we're we're going to do something right now we're going to go adventure and so they get up and get all excited and we're ready to go um so i think that's also really cute that kind of trained by that noise very pavlovian my sister has a roommate and she has this cute little dog his Uh name is murph i went up there so after i quit my job Uh i went there and they started instagram for him as more of a science experiment he's adorable i only can relate in the sense that i went up there to take some photos of him like really nice on my camera he hated me 
He actually hated what? me. I know. I would pull That's like, so oh, sad. look how cute Murph is. And I'd uh, lift my phone up and Doug would... <sighs> really? I mean, you're talking about a two and a half pound dog. Oh, yeah, those little ones are super feisty, though. Have there ever been, like, moments where you're like, God, would you just... Oh, just- oh my God, yeah. Tell me about one. <laughs> There's almost too much to... <laughs> count to be honest like I I'd say oh so I recently did a, a, a road trip where I went up to Yosemite uh, and then hit Sequoia on the way back and then stayed a couple of days in Lake Arrowhead for a Stamo house and so we were at Tunnel Log in Sequoia which is that famous road that you see where the the giant yes. tree is and they cut out a hole for the cars to go through and really picturesque and I forgot to bring my skateboard so even went and bought a skateboard and all it's a crappy skateboard but so I skateboard with the pups on the beach every single day. And that's one of my favorite things to do. And that's kind of one of the things that we're known for doing. And I have the skateboard and I want to have this shot of me running with the dogs while I'm on the skateboard going through the tunnel. They wouldn't even move. Sedona was <laughs> not having it at all. Like, like usually they'll like walk a little bit and, and do, you know, as we're walking and taking shots or, and sometimes they like will be distracted and all that. But like, I planted, like I would jump on the board and be like, all right, guys, let's go, let's go, let's go. Would not move. And it was just like one of those things that. What do you do? What do you do in that scenario? Uh, you, you can't make them do anything. Uh, I mean, yeah. So I did post it. Like they, there was a moment where they would like walk for a half a second. Uh, you know, you want the look where they're like full on sprinting or something along those lines. And then we took a bunch of photos that I'll probably post later on where we're. It, it actually is really nice where we're walking back up. So they were down to walk, but they just weren't. They were not feeling the skateboard going through, and so it's one of those things that. You just kind of have to accept it a little bit, and it's a little bit on me that maybe I didn't have treats with me or something along those <laughs> lines where to just kind of, uh, you know, for the amount of times that I go on shoots and don't bring treats with me or forget to, it's amazing that th- we get any of the shots that we do. Um, but it's not like they're not getting fed or getting taken care yeah. of or living, you know, a great life. Have you had people come up to you and say, oh my gosh, is this Zeus and Sedona? Like, not here in Hermosa. Let's uh-huh. t- take you outside of Hermosa, Manhattan area. Have there been? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Is that like an awesome feeling or? It's it's really unique. It's it's such a weird thing for me. The, the do- People know the dogs. And so I, I always make this like really uh, like jokey analogy in the sense that it's a very Clark Kent Superman thing that when I don't have the dogs, I'm just a man of the people. But when the dogs are there, people are like, wait a second. Or, you know, they start bringing yeah. things up or as it's like, you know, people are like, oh, what kind of dogs are these? And I'm like, you know, they're shepherd collie mixes, they're litter mates and this and that. And I had them since they were puppies because Zeus looks a bit older than Sedona. So yes. when I say that, I'm like, oh, they're brother and sister. They're both two years old. And they're like, oh, really? And as I start to say it, some people are like, wait a second, I saw your story or it's always very unique. And it's, it's very humbling when someone wants to take a photo with me or anything along those lines. It's, I want to do whatever I can to make that experience great because I feel like I'm the most normal person ever. So if someone wants to take a photo with me, it's like, 
heck yeah, let's do this. Like, what else? Do you want, let's get the dogs in here. Do you want just the dogs? Like, I get that too. And whatever I can do to, to leave where they feel good about the experience and that I can I can do that. You mentioned just now mm-hmm. Stayama, which uh-huh. you're uh, one of the co-founders for. Uh-huh. Tell me a little bit about it. And I know it's a, it's a company that basically pairs up influencers with mm-hmm. places to stay. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so back last June, I did a trip with Best Western, where I did a small West Coast Loop road trip with the pups, and there was a couple holes where I didn't have a place to stay, and I reached out to three different Airbnbs, two glamping tents tents in uh, southern Utah, and then a place right outside of Joshua Tree, and... Thankfully enough, luckily enough, I went three for three where they all said yes, where in exchange for me to post about staying there, they would give me a a free stay. And these places were awesome. And No, wait, a free post, meaning just one post, one photo, tagging where you were, and that was it, right? Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, okay. yeah, no yeah. No extra content. No, nothing like that. that. I was like, I'll throw some stories up too, like might as well. Yeah, and just exactly. kind of like, and, and seeing. And what's unique is that not every home is down for that and, and understanding it equally as well. But... And also to be three for three in terms of pitching yourself or something like that is a very big anomaly in mm-hmm. the sense of pitching yourself. And so I was like, man, that's that's super cool. I'd love to do more of that. Nothing really came from it, honestly. And what's unique is that so the other co-founder runs this Instagram account called Best Airbnb, where he was posting just the, the best Airbnbs around the world and po- reposted one of my friend's photos. She has like... 2,500 followers like she just kind of does her own thing but happens to live a very adventurous lifestyle and takes only iPhone photos and stuff like that but she stayed at this really cool Airbnb and posted about it I was like oh what's up like I reached out to him being like hey I'd love to work with you and partner with you like in terms of helping me find Airbnbs to stay as I travel and Mm -hmm. this and that and we were talking more and more and finally it was like hey let's let's meet up and grab a coffee and like talk more about like what you do what I do and um, over that coffee we just kind of were realizing that there is this hole essentially or that there's this need for this marketplace in the sense that homes need to find a way to reach a larger audience and the Airbnb uh, Verbo, Homestay, all that stuff, their algorithm doesn't do a great job in terms of showing you the best houses to stay for your money. You know, you go on Airbnb and you type in Joshua Tree and you get hit with a thousand homes and don't know what's actually what or what can be cool. And once again, going back to like this day and age of what everyone's trying to do, everyone's trying to like one up each other in terms of their vacations and their trips. And and so finding an uh, Instagrammable home is what these homes are after as well as the normal people and as well as influencers are trying to maintain this elevated lifestyle so there was just this kind of this perfect storm and so we launched like end of January beginning of February uh, and have continuously grown and have had great response from both the homes and the the creators and photographers side of things and uh, yeah it, it's just been really exciting we're learning every single day more and more about what makes sense but it just filled this hole that was missing in the sense that if I reach out to a home on Airbnb and be like, hey, I have this Instagram following, I would love to stay at your home, that there's a good chance that Airbnb flags your account and tells you, hey, you're doing something that's against our 
lines of uh, what is integrity. It? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Where it happened to me in January as we were starting to launch this company of being like, let me test this out. Let me see what's up. And obviously, I didn't want to get my Airbnb account banned. I still want to like it's yeah. important to have that also to be on Stayamo. But um, also, the best way that I discuss this or describe it to people is that it's kind of like a dating app in in the sense that not every home is interested in offering free stays so this is offering hey these free homes are interested in dating now you sell yourself to be a viable date for them yeah so would you say that Stamo your biggest competition is Airbnb what's the relationship between your you and Airbnb so we spoke with them at the beginning and they were very they were interested in what we were doing but obviously you need to show proof of concept before anything can kind of come through so we use Airbnb in a lot of senses that once once it's agreed upon between the home and the influencer to collaborate together and their agreement takes place they get they book it through Airbnb or whichever website they want to uh, host that through if VRBO is more important to them but usually 99% of the time it is Airbnb so that way they are insured and that way both people get reviews obviously getting reviewed for the home boosts them up mm-hmm. in terms of their algorithm search it allows for the influencer to be held accountable in terms of just like the payment process of just holding that down payment of just hey I'm going to come through here's the insurance that's going to yeah. take place so yeah uh, Airbnb is definitely not we're utilizing Airbnb like they're, they're like part of the platform you're just trying to um, figure out a different extension for like a different niche but also showcasing some of the better or more different unique Airbnbs that we have to offer exactly it, it's almost like those companies like uh, one of the companies that I worked at through my digital media work was working with a company that specialized in Facebook ads and so Facebook wasn't a competition to them they were just like sucking off the teat of Facebook and that's what you need to do and I don't think many people are doing that with Airbnb or other major companies and that's kind of how that works the same way with Amazon is like finding like referable links and things like that of how to make money off of this company that's making billions of dollars like okay obviously people are using this there's a viable way what hole can I fill that allows me to make money off of this company so I saw on your guys' website uh-huh. that um, like there's a threshold to influencers because like, I was recently at a conference where they talked about um, a strategy for micro-influencers uh-huh. where some companies are using micro-influencers because they have a more intimate engagement than you would. Mm-hmm. Like, trust me, I, I've worked... I've worked previously. I've talked with other brands that have big followings, but their engagement is not so great. Yeah. I don't have as big a following. I get a better engagement. There's obviously something wrong. So, obviously, there is um, there are there is a strategy to micro-influencers, but it doesn't seem that Stayamo is sort of going that route. They sort of have, I think on the website, you have a threshold of, mm-hmm. we sort of want to see your post, your own post, around 1,000 engagements. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, because we want to be, we want the homes to find value off of that. However, there, once again, in these learns that we're, we're gaining through all of this in the sense that there's a lot of people that have like five to 7,000 followers that take incredible photos. They should be having hundreds of thousands of followers because their photos are just incredible. However, with just the algorithm, the timing of things, the saturation of the market, they are stuck at that 
that smaller rate. However, we see a huge value in those people. Those people are, the micro-influencers are hustling to, like I was saying in that first year that I was working is, anything for free, I would do. I would go drive somewhere to be like, I get a free stay here, and you create this perfect look of like, I'm staying at this unique place. I'm an elevated lifestyle. But at the same time, for just someone to come in and have a thousand followers or 2,500 followers is not appealing. And even if their photos aren't great, then also it's like you you need to understand. And it goes back to what we were talking about in terms of understanding the difference between a content creator and influencer. And, you know, early on when we were onboarding people and influencers is like, yeah, I have connections with a lot of like girls who have 80,000 followers, a hundred thousand followers, but people are there to see their butts. People are, uh, they do not care what they're doing. Yes. They have a high engagement because Instagram is a filter of, are you hot or not? And that's how you grow a large following as well. But for our business model, that doesn't make sense. Even though you do get free stuff and free things and you're living this quote unquote influencer lifestyle is that they need to realize that they're not an influencer either. Yeah. Understanding your, I remember um, talking to um, someone who worked at a marketing company and this girl had like 15 million followers and she was like, I want my own makeup line which would cost the company millions of dollars to produce and come together and work. And she would get a bunch of money off of that too, plus residuals. And they were like, your audience is 98% middle-aged men. Why would we give you a makeup? Like you wouldn't be able to sell that. Like, you know, and it's Now a can of beer. Sure. A can of beer. She would be rolling in the dough with Bud Light. I would be interested in seeing, because I have seen a lot of female model Instagram girls posting like, uh, like Dollar Shave Club stuff or men products. And I would wonder what that conversion is. I've had other people who I've connected with online who didn't like something that I did with the dogs and like created this like story of like unfollow Jordan and do this. And it was like, honestly, nothing that I did that put them in harm's way or anything along those lines. They just felt like I was doing something that was like inappropriate. And it was... How do you react to those type of things? Um... I just Ignore? like unfollowed them and ignored it. I could have countered and but at the same like of just being like what you're doing with your dogs is like could be viewed as questionable as well. And I mean I'm I, I don't mean to be super vague, like I flew with the dogs and had them come with me on the flight and they were upset that I like said that they were special dogs to come with me on the flight. But I think people who put their dogs under the plane are more inhumane than me being like, hey, I'm working on this business thing. I'm trying to create this lifestyle, not this lifestyle, but like tell the story. I had this opportunity to go and work with this company and it forced me to fly with the dogs. And the idea of putting the dogs underneath the plane was zero chance happening. I find people that fly with cats bother the crap uh-huh. out of me. I think there's way more people allergic to cats than they are dogs. I mean, they're big now. Like, is that the way to travel with them now? Is to, no. Like, so that was the one. And it cannot, was a one-way flight, too. And they were, they were small. No. So, oh, this was last thing. October, so they were pretty much... They were the same size. However, I flew with someone else, so we both had our own seats, but, like... This they're sleeping right now. Like when it's just them hanging out, they're super chill and yeah. it wasn't a big deal. And like three people on the flight 
as we were leaving, said to me, you have the best dogs. They're so chill, so easy. They didn't make a noise. They didn't do anything. And I had this business opportunity to do that. It was a one-way flight. I didn't love flying with them. There's a 0% chance that they were going to get put underneath the plane to do that. Yeah. And I needed to travel a far distance in a short period of time. Any other time we're doing a road trip because I don't want to say that they're service animals because they're not. And so they made a big fuss out of it. You've had tons of companies under your belts. Uh-huh. Two beautiful dogs. Uh-huh. What's one of the biggest things you've learned? Stay humble. Work really, work hard. I, I mean, I think for me, it, and this is something that I'm trying to shift back to, as I was saying before that we started rolling, is that I feel a little creatively hamstrung. And the thing that I miss the most is that early on, I was creating videos for me. And it feels like I've shifted to kind of please an audience and that once that happens, I think the creativity or the storytelling kind of hurts. And I've noticed that in my content that I feel like I've taken a hit because I'm trying to appease an audience as opposed to creating what I want to see. At the end of the day, I think trust your gut and create the content that you want to see and the audience will follow. Like if it is good, if it is truly saying something and ultimately doing it because you want to do it um, will make the, the difference. I think that's really humbling advice to people that I think especially are, like you talked about, aspiring influencers mm-hmm. or content creators mm-hmm. wanting to um, you know try to make a name of themselves. Um, I want everyone to make sure they follow your Instagram yeah, come say hi. At? Jordan Kahana. Thank you. And <laughs> you have an awesome YouTube page where you can see all the pup ventures. Yes. You can see the puppies when they were little. Uh-huh. Um, also, to make sure to check out Stayamo, especially if you're an influencer yeah. listening to the podcast, because I know you just started in January, so I'm assuming that we'll see more big things to come. Yes, yeah, Stayamo. working on a lot of fun things with that. So, yeah, come hang out. Come say hi. If you see me and the pups out, please say hello. Um, but yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take a screenshot of you listening to this podcast and I'll share it from my Instagram account at heatherpink27. If you want to find out more about me and my social media experience, go to www.heather.pink and follow me on Instagram at heatherpink27. That's also where you can find out more information and tidbits about my current and upcoming guests on the Social Media Unlocked podcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment and go to iTunes to leave a review. 